With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All right, sports fans. How's everybody out there doing? William Martin coming at you one more time here on blogtalkradio.com with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show. As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, the guest call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of November 19th, 2017, I can gladly once again tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, there was plenty of excite of exciting action around the National Football League today, and I want to get started with a game that actually took place outside of the United States, and you had to go to Mexico City for this one as it took place at Estadio Azteca between the 7 and 2 New England Patriots and the 4 and 5 Oakland Raiders. Now, the Pats were able to get the scoring going late in the first quarter after they put together a 15-play, 87-yard drive, which ate up more than seven minutes' worth of game clock, and it was capped off when quarterback Tom Brady connected with versatile running back Deion Lewis from 15 yards out to give New England the 7 to nothing advantage. New England would not stop there as early in the second – pardon me, late in the second quarter. They put together a nine-play, 80-yard drive, which was capped off by Brady connecting with wide receiver Danny Amendola in the back of the end zone from five yards out to put the Pats up by the score of 14 to nothing. This game changed late in the first half. The Raiders were driving. They got inside of the Patriots' 10-yard line when Andre Roberts, the Raiders' wide receiver, fumbled. It was recovered by New England. They marched down, and it put them in scoring range. And as the clock ran out for the first half, Place kicker Steven Gaskowski connected for on a 62-yard field goal as he was able to take advantage of the thin air in Mexico City. And the Patriots went to the dressing room at the half up by 17, and they never looked back. Why? Because New England got the football to begin the second half, and they put together a quick scoring drive as it was just three plays of 75 yards and an eight up just 54 seconds of game clock. And this drive culminated when Brady connected with wide receiver Brandon Cooks on a 64-yard touchdown bomb to put the Pats up by the score of 24 to nothing. And New England would go on to cruise today by the score of 33-8. to And if you look inside of the numbers, it was another efficient afternoon for Tom Brady as he was 30 of 37 passing for 339 yards with three TDs and no picks while he was sacked just one time. Brandon Cooks had a big game as he had six receptions 
for a buck 49 with a TD, while Danny Amendola had eight receptions for 66 yards and a TD. On the flip side for the Oakland Raiders, quarterback Derek Carr was 28 of 49 passing for 237 yards of the TD and a pick. The Raiders did have 109 yards on the ground, led by 67 coming from Marshawn Lynch. But the bottom line is they simply could not keep up with New England this afternoon in Mexico City. And I said it before and I'll say it again. This is the time of the year where the Patriots get going. We've seen the same old song and dance before. New England starts off slow. Everybody is ready to push the panic button on this club, except for the Patriots. And once they get into that rhythm, once they get into that groove, look out. And now we're seeing it again. They're reeling off consecutive games now. They're 8-2, and two, and they are looking like a team that is ready to go back to the Super Bowl. On the flip side for the Oakland Raiders, what can you say? You can't. You can't miss an opportunity when you're playing a team like the Patriots. And I say that from the standpoint that the Raiders, when you get the, when you get the ball, you have to execute. And because you look at the Patriots and you look at what they're doing, you're not going to slow down this offense right now if you're the Raiders. So with that said, when you have the ball, you have to take advantage of your opportunities. And that fumble late in the first half was big because that changed the whole tenor of this contest. And because of that, the Raiders were in chase mode for the rest of the afternoon. The defense could not slow down the Patriots. And, of course, to begin the second half, New England is one of the better teams as far as getting the football to begin the second half and not only scoring points but scoring touchdowns. And they've been infamous for wrapping that, wrapping scoring around the halftime break. They'll get the ball last in the first half and score, which they did again today. And then they will score to begin the second half. That's a that's a huge swing. We're talking about we're talking about a seventeen point swing there because you're talking about not having the opportunity if you're Oakland to score a touchdown. Then you give the ball back to New England and they march right down the field and they score. And then they get the ball to begin the second half and they score again. And if you're the Raiders, you can't overcome that. This was a team, and I said it when the regular season started, everybody was sold on the Raiders being a Super Bowl contender this year. I told people, listen, anytime you get a lame duck team who's waiting to leave a city and go to another city to play, it's always a problem. They don't execute because guys have too many other things on their minds, except for what, they're, what they need to focus on, which is things on the football field. And I said it was a disservice by Mark Davis. If you really wanted to move your team, move them right away. Put them in Vegas. Put them at Sam Boyd Stadium. That's where the UNV, UNLV Rebels play. I know that it'll be a downsize as far as what you're accustomed to as far as ticket sales, but I'm like, with the exception of last year, the Raiders hadn't been, you know, getting forty or 50,000 people consistently at the Oakland Coliseum for about the last 10 years anyway. So now you're seeing, you know, uh, the, the underbelly of that, so to speak. And, you know, the Raiders, they've, they've struggled this season. They're four and six. They're still in the mix for a postseason spot. But the bottom line is, if you're Oakland, you really need to pick up your place sooner rather than later. Now you look ahead to week number 13 for both of these teams. Oakland will be at home when they host the Denver Broncos, while New England 
will find themselves in week 13 at home as well as they will take on the Miami Dolphins. Now, a team that the Patriots are trying to keep pace with as far as being one of the top squads in the AFC were the Kansas City Chiefs, and they found themselves on the road this afternoon taking on the lowly New York Giants. And, you know, somebody forgot to tell Kansas City that they needed to go out there and put the Giants away early. Did not. The Giants scored the first and only touchdown of this game early in the second quarter, and there was a result of an Alex Smith interception as running back Orleans Darkwell punched it in from a yard out to make it 6 nothing. as place kicker Aldrick Rosas missed the extra point as there were extremely high winds at the Meadowlands today. Now, it was 6-3 to three in favor of New York heading to the fourth quarter when early on in the fourth, place kicker Harrison Butker connected on his second field goal of the game, this one again from 31 yards out, to not the score at six apiece. But another turnover by Kansas City late in this contest led to the Giants taking the lead with just over a minute and a half left in regulation as Roses connected on a field goal from 26 yards out to make it 9-6. to six. However, quarterback Alex Smith would drive the Chiefs down the field and put them in scoring range. And as time was expiring in regulation, Butker connected on his third field goal of the contest, this time from 23 yards out to not to score at nine apiece as this game went to overtime. Now, Kansas City did get the ball to begin the overtime period, and the Giants' defense did step up. The Giants got the football back, and they were able to march down the field, led by quarterback Eli Manning on a 10-play 77-yard drive. And with just under two minutes left in overtime, Roses connected on his uh, second field goal of the game, this time from 23 yards out. And New York went on to pull off the upset today over Kansas City by the score of 12-9. to And you look inside of the numbers of this contest, Giants quarterback Eli Manning was 19 of 35, passing for 205 yards with no TDs and no picks, while Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith was 24 of 30, passing for 230 yards with no TDs and two picks. KC did have 134 yards on the ground, led by the 73 of Kareem Hunt. But the Giants shocked me as they were able to gain 112 yards on the ground, with 74 of those coming from Orleans Darkwa. Now, Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey did have eight receptions for a buck 09, while Tyreek Hill also chipped in with seven receptions for 68 yards. But the bottom line is that the Chiefs were held out of the end zone. And you got to give credit to the Giants' defense. Safety Landon uh, Collins stepped up today. He had 15 uh, tackles. This Giants defense forced three interceptions, one from tight end Travis Kelsey and the two other two from Alex Smith, one by Damon Snacks Harrison and the other from Janoris Jenkins. As the Giants looked like a completely different team today as they were able to upset Kansas City. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to talk about both teams, obviously, but I'm going to start off with the Giants. Credit to them. Because I, like a lot of people, really ridiculed this people, ridiculed this team last week when they lost to the San Francisco 49ers because they appeared lifeless. And I, I got to give a ton of credit to everybody involved in this organization because I felt that this team quit on their head coach Ben McAdoo, and I felt that co-owners John Mara and Steve Tisch needed to make a move following last Sunday's loss in San Francisco. The Mara family has been known to not make head coaching changes during the season. They, John Mara stuck to his guns. He said, 
Ben McAdoo's our coach for the rest of the season. The Giants had a players-only meeting this past week. Ben McAdoo sat down and watched the film with his team, and, and he got critical of players in certain aspects. And you saw an inspired defense today because they played better. I look at the Giants. They made them. They've been made. They've been trying to make the most of a bad situation on offense. We know about the injuries, and they went out there, and all of a sudden, the Giants are are effectively running the football. This was a team that has struggled to run the football consistently for the past few years. All of a sudden, they're doing a decent job of it. So I look at this Giants team. They answered the bell today in a game that they weren't supposed to win in any way, shape, or form, and they went out there. And they did it. Now, on the Kansas City Chiefs side, you began this season 5-0. and You went out there in week one on the road and dominated the New England Patriots. They've lost their way. They've lost their luster. And I look at Kansas City. You're coming off of your bye week. You were 6-3. and You just saw what happened last week with the Giants against the 49ers. You know that you're trying to keep up with the Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers to try to get a first-round bye in the AFC playoffs. And honestly, that's gone by the wayside now. I know that they beat New England so far already this season, but they lost to Pittsburgh. And it's a situation, Pittsburgh and New England are not slowing down anytime soon. So if you're Kansas City, you can forget about that. You had to go out there and answer the bell and take care of this team early. And the last thing that you want to do when you're favored to beat a team and beat a team bad, you don't want to give them the opportunity to hang around because they get confidence. And that's what Kansas City did today. And, you know, you typically don't say this about an Andy Reid coach team, but I'm not sure if Kansas City was prepared to play today. Because even – even if you go back to the end of the fourth quarter, the Chiefs are driving. They get down there. They had to settle for a field goal. Okay, they tie the game, and they go to overtime. Kansas City gets the ball. You had all of that momentum from that game-tying drive, and they could not capitalize. And it was – in watching it, especially on offense, I looked at a team where everybody was looking around for somebody else to make that play instead of trying to be the guy themselves – to make that play, and that was one of the things that cost Kansas City. Now, luckily for them, nobody is really contending with them in the AFC West as of right now, but Kansas City has to find a way to figure things out, and they got to figure things out on offense because right now the Chiefs are not having fun, and typically whenever you're losing, you're not having fun, and the Chiefs have to get back to that aspect if they want to be Super Bowl contenders coming down the stretch here in 2017. Now, you look ahead to week number 13 for both of these clubs. Pardon me, week number 12, rather, for both of these clubs. The Giants have a short turnaround. as They will be on the road this Thursday night to take on the Washington Redskins. While for Kansas City, they will be at home on Sunday afternoon to face the Buffalo Bills. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626 231 Zero three zero nine. I repeat, six two six two three one zero three zero nine. Now, moving right along, this actually turned out to be one of the better games of the day, 
as you had the four and five Washington Redskins traveling to the Superdome in New Orleans to take on the seven and two New Orleans Saints. Now Washington came into this game as a heavy underdog facing a Saints team who has won seven who came into this contest the winners of seven straight and they had the look of a team that is ready to contend for a Super Bowl championship. But it was the Redskins who surprised people early as late in the first quarter the score was tied at three when Washington put together a seven-play, 75-yard drive, which was capped off when quarterback Kirk Cousins connected with Chris Thompson from 16 yards out to give Washington the 10-3 advantage. Now, uh, New Orleans would immediately respond by putting together a quick four-play, 80-yard drive, which is capped off by a 36-yard run from running back Mark Ingram to knock the score at 10 apiece. However, the Redskins would get the football back, and they would not slow down as they put together a nine-play, 75-yard drive. And early on in the second quarter, it was culminated by a one-yard run from Ricky running back Samaje Pirine to put them back in front by the score of 17-10. to Now, it was 17-3 to in favor of Washington heading into the locker room. And the Redskins shocked some people midway through the third quarter by going for a fake punt deep in their own territory. And Washington was able to turn this into a 12-play, 94-yard drive that was capped off when quarterback Kirk Cousins found wide receiver Brian Grant from 40 yards out to give Washington the 24-13 lead. Now, it was 24-16 to in favor of Washington late in the fourth quarter when they appeared to put this game on ice when Cousins connected with Jeremy Sprinkle for a seven-yard touchdown pass to give the Redskins the 31-16 to advantage. New Orleans would immediately respond by putting together an eight-play, 75-yard drive that ate up just about three minutes worth of game clock, and it was capped off when quarterback Drew Brees connected with wide receiver Josh Hill from three yards out to make it 31-23. to Now, New Orleans would stop the Redskins and get the football back and they put together a very quick drive, and with just over a minute left in the fourth quarter, Breeze connected with running back Alvin Kamara on a on an 18-yard touchdown pass to make it 31 to 29. The Saints would go for the two-point conversion, and Breeze tossed the football to Kamara once again, and they nodded the score at 31 apiece. Now the Redskins did have an opportunity to win this game in regulation. However, as time ran out around midfield. Kirk Cousins was sacked and the ball was fumbled and it was recovered by New Orleans and the game went to overtime. Now, after a quick three and out for the Washington offense, New Orleans got the football back and they immediately were able to move into field goal range and Will Lutz connected on a 34-yard field goal to give New Orleans the come-from-behind victory at home. And it was a big game for quarterback Drew Brees as he was 29 uh, 41 passing for 385 yards or two TDs and a pick while he was sacked twice. But the Saints' rushing attack did not slow down as they had 160 yards on the ground with 134 of those coming from Mark Ingram on just 11 carries. Now, Washington did have a big day on the ground as well as they had 156 yards as a team with 117 of those coming from Samaje Pirine on 23 carries. Now, Kirk Cousins was 22 of 32 passing for 322 yards with three TDs and no picks, but he was sacked by this Saints defense, and I talked about how they stepped up late in this contest. And for Washington, they've been a tough team to figure out all season long. 
Because when you expect them not to contend, that's when the Redskins have played some of their better football. And they played some good football for about three and a half quarters today. And they simply could not seal the deal. And for New Orleans defensively, it wasn't what we've seen from this team in recent weeks. But they still were able to find a way to win. Because what we've seen in recent weeks from the Saints is the fact that they've been playing good football and winning without without really relying on the right arm or Drew Brees. They had to rely on Drew Brees a little bit more today, but he showed you that he could still get it done. And that's very telling of this team because they're going to the playoffs, regardless if they win the NFC South or not. And you better be hopeful if you're a playoff team out there in the NFC that you don't have to go to New Orleans and face them because in that building, especially in January, they are almost impossible defeat Drew Brees under center. So I look at this team, I think that they're going to get it back on defense. This was a hiccup today. They were unable to slow down Kirk Cousins, but most importantly, they were able to get the victory. Now, you look ahead to week number 12 for both of these league teams. The big one in the NFC is New Orleans will be on the road to take on the Los Angeles Rams. And like I said for the Redskins, it's a quick turnaround as they will host the New York Giants this Thursday night. And speaking of big ones in the NFC, we had another big one as you had the 7-2 and two Los Angeles Rams traveling to take on the 7-2 and two Minnesota Vikings in a potential playoff preview. And it looked like the Rams' offense was going to keep that momentum going for themselves as they took the opening kickoff and marched down the field on a nine-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off by a six-yard run from running back Todd Gurley to put them in front by the score of seven to nothing. However, early in the second quarter, Minnesota was able to tie this contest to seven apiece when Latavius Murray scored on an eight-yard run to knock the score. The score would remain that way until early in the fourth quarter when Minnesota was able to put together an 11-play, 71-yard drive that ate up more than six minutes worth of game clock as Murray scored his second touchdown of the game, this time from two yards out, to make it 14-7. to And right after that, Minnesota was able to, you know, get uh, stop, make, a, make a good stop on this Rams offense. They got the football back, and they marched down the field on a quick five-play, 93-yard drive, and it was capped off when quarterback Case Keenum connected with wide receiver Adam Thielen on a 65-yard touchdown pass to make it 21-7 to in favor of the home team. And Minnesota would go on to win this contest today by the score of 24-17. to And you look inside of the numbers, Rams quarterback Jared Goff was 23 of 37 passing for 237 yards, pardon me, 225 yards with no TDs and no picks while he was sacked twice, while Case Keenum, was 27 of 38 passing for 280 yards with a TD and a pick. And we talked about the Rams rushing attack coming into this contest, but it was all about the Vikings today. They had 171 yards on the ground, and they just simply out-physicaled the Rams at the line of scrimmage. Adam Thielen had a big game as he had six catches for 123 yards with a touchdown grab, while Robert Woods had eight catches for 81 yards for the Rams. And I looked at this contest, and I figured this was going to be a litmus test for both teams because they were 7-2, and two, each one of them, coming into this contest. But you just wanted to see how each squad would look against a better team. 
And I look at the Rams today, they did not pass the test in any phase of the game. Because you look at this defense, they got punched in the mouth. They could not stop this Vikings offense. They could not breathe on Case Keenum, more or less stop him. And then I talked about what Minnesota was able to do and how they were able to run the football. You got to slow these guys down. And for the Rams right now, things are going to be very tough. It's not going to get any easier for this bunch. So defensively, they got to get back to being uh, uh, more physical at the line of scrimmage. And it, it, goes, it goes the same on offense because the Rams' identity begins. I know a lot of people are talking about Jerry Goff, but the Rams' identity begins with them being able to run the football. If they can't run the football, it's going to make life tough for what they want to do with quarterback Jerry Goff. And for the Minnesota Vikings, what can you say? This team just goes out there, they keep on winning. Whoever is out there on this team is the next man up. They go out there. Everybody is hungry. This defense is flying around the football, and they're going to be tough to score on. And you look at the mess behind them in the NFC North, they're not slowing down. They're just going out there taking care of their business. And as they take care of their business, the wins continuously pile up. Now you look ahead to week number 12 for both of these clubs. Los Angeles will be back at home when they face the New Orleans Saints. While for Minnesota, it's a quick turnaround as they will be on the road this Thursday afternoon to take on the Detroit Lions. Folks, as always, call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, moving right along, you had the 3-6 and six Los Angeles Chargers hosting the 5-4 and four Buffalo Bills. And the scoring in this contest got started early in the first quarter, and it was a harbinger of things to come for Buffalo as they started rookie quarterback Nathan Peterman, and he was picked off by Corey Toomer, who returned 59 yards for the pick six to give the Chargers the early 7 to nothing advantage. Now, Buffalo would immediately respond as with just uh, with a quick scoring drive that just took 48 seconds off of the game clock, and it was capped off with a 27-yard touchdown run from running back LaShawn McCoy to knock the score at seven apiece. However, it was 10-7 going into the second quarter in favor of the Lightning Bolts when the floodgates opened up as the turnovers just kept on coming for Mr. Peterman. Interception after interception after interception – consistently put the Chargers in good field position as Nathan Peterman threw five picks in the first half, and he became the first quarterback since Archie Manning in 1973 to throw five interceptions on 15 passes or fewer. Now, Bill's head coach, Doug McDermott, pardon me, Sean McDermott, decided to bench Peterman at the half in favor of veteran quarterback Tyrod Taylor as Buffalo was trailing 37-7. to the change in quarterback really would not make a difference as the Bills were so far behind and you had a Chargers defense, which is flying around to the football this afternoon as Los Angeles would go on to easily win this game today by the score of 54-24. to And you look at this Chargers team, they possessed the football today for more than 36 minutes and they forced six turnovers from this Buffalo Bills team. I talked about Nathan Peterman. He was 6 of 14 for 66 yards with no TDs 
and five picks. That ain't going to get it done. Tyrod Taylor came in and was 15 of 25 passing for a buck 58 with a TD, but the Bills have simply had a tough road ahead of them as far as trying to get back into this contest. Buffalo did manage to get 173 yards rushing with 114 of those coming from Sean McCoy, but it really didn't make a difference. Phillip Rivers had a good game, but he didn't need to have a big game today for the Chargers because of their defense. He was 20 of 32 passing for 251 yards with two TDs and no interceptions. And there was actually a Kellen Clemens sighting as the backup quarterback got into the game today for the Chargers, and he was 5 of 5 passing for 33 yards. Los Angeles had 146 yards on the ground, while their receiving game was led by Keenan Allen, who had 12 receptions for a buck 59 and two TDs. Or anybody out there who had him on their fantasy team this week really made out pretty good. I talked about this Chargers defense. They were flying around the football. Casey Haywood had two picks. I mean, it was it was really bad for the Buffalo Bills this afternoon. And I'll tell you like this. I thought it was a mistake when Sean McDermott made the announcement that he was going to bench Tyrod Taylor in favor of the rookie Nathan Peterman. And I think this decision really blew up in his face like the Hindenburg. And on top of that, I'm going to make the statement that I think Sean McDermott is losing this team now because the Buffalo Bills were 5-2. and two. And they were 5-2 and two because they were running the football effectively and they were playing lights out defense. If you look at their last three games, which have all been losses, they've been dominated. And a big reason why they've been dominated is because their defense has not shown up. And stopping people was a big thing. It was a big part of the formula uh, for the Buffalo Bills' success. Tyrod Taylor doesn't play defense. And even in the last two games in which they lost, you can't put that on Tyrod Taylor. Now, you bench Tyrod Taylor in favor of a rookie. The rookie and Peterman stunk it up today. And now you go back to Tyrod Taylor. If you're going to bench a guy, you bench him. Now you're going to flip-flop, and your team your team doesn't like that because they don't know who they're supposed to get behind. So I really think this was a damaging move by Sean McDermott to bench Tyrod Taylor. It blew up in his face today, and I think that that is going to continue. Now, for the Chargers, they're 4-6. and six. This team was 0-4. And, and you look at some of their close losses – we could easily make the case that the Chargers could be 6-4, and four, if not 7-3 and three right now. So I look at it like this. You got Kansas City struggling in the AFC West, and the Chargers are figuring it out. The first team, the eight wins, wins. This dog gets, gets this division crown. And don't let the Chargers hang around because they're starting to believe in themselves, and Kansas City isn't, and it's going to make this race coming down the stretch rather interesting. Now, Los Angeles has a quick turnaround as they will be in Arlington this Thanksgiving afternoon to take on the Dallas Cowboys. While for Buffalo, they will be on the road once again, this time to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, it was a battle of three and six clubs today at mile high as you had the Cincinnati Bengals in town to take on 
the Denver Broncos. And the scoring of this game got started midway through the first quarter as it was a result of a Drake Patrick 101-yard interception return that set up the Bengals in prime field position as quarterback Andy Dalton connected with Tyler Croft on a one-yard touchdown pass to give Cincinnati the 6 to nothing advantage as place kicker Randy Bullock missed the extra point. Now, the Broncos would respond by putting together a 14-play, 75-yard drive that ate up nearly six and a half minutes worth of game clock, and it was capped off by a one-yard run, pardon me, a three-yard run from C.J. Anderson to give Denver the 7-6 to six advantage. Now, early in the second quarter, Cincinnati would reclaim the lead as they put together a seven-play, 75-yard drive, which was capped off by a uh, um, Andy Dalton connecting with Alex Erickson on a 29-yard touchdown pass to make it 13-7. to Now, it was 13-10 to going through the fourth quarter in favor of Cincinnati when they were able to put some distance between themselves and the Broncos. As midway through the fourth, Dalton connected on his third touchdown pass of the game. This time as he found wide receiver A.J. Green from 18 yards out to make it 20-10. to Now, Denver would immediately respond by putting together a 10-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off when quarterback Brock Osweiler found wide receiver Demarius Thomas on a 17-yard touchdown pass to make it 20-17. to However, Denver's defense would stop Cincinnati's offense to get the ball back, and the Cincinnati defense was simply up for the challenge as they shut the Denver offense down forced the uh, gave the football back to their offense on downs and Cincinnati was going was able to go on the road this evening and get the 22-17 victory and this was another game where Cincinnati was dominated in the time of possession but they were able to make the most of it when they had the ball Andy Dalton was 15 of 25 passing for a buck 54 with 3 TDs and no picks while he was sacked twice Brock Osweiler was 23 of 42 passing for 254 with a TD and a pick while he was sacked three times. Demarius Thomas had five grabs for 64 yards and a TD, while A.J. Green had four receptions for 50 yards. Vontez Burfecht, the Bengals linebacker, had 12 tackles with one sack, while Carlos Dunlap came up with two huge sacks, especially on the last drive of the game for Denver as Cincinnati was able to go on the road this afternoon and get the victory. And for the Denver Broncos, they came into this game losers of five straight. They were 2-0, and and then they were 3-1. and And this team, the season has really gotten bad for them in a hurry. And you look at their struggles on offense. And honestly, Denver – Denver hasn't been good on offense for about four or five years. You got to go back to their first Super Bowl appearance with Peyton Manning, which is during the 2013 season, to find the last time that they had consistency on offense. They don't have it right now. We've talked about this defense, but the bottom line is you're just wasting it because they don't have the offense out there to keep up with them. And more importantly, they don't have the offense that can go out there and win games. So with that said, I mean, 
the results are there. I mean, you you look at it like this. This was Cincinnati's first victory in Denver versus the Broncos since 1975. Ken Anderson was still the quarterback for the Bengals. They didn't even have stripes on their helmet then. That's how long ago it was. But it comes down to the to the offense of the Denver Broncos. They simply can't score consistently. Now, for the Bengals, it wasn't pretty. But like I always say, pretty does not matter in the National Football League. It's as long as you get your hand raised. And Cincinnati, at one point, they were 0-3. And now you're looking at a team that's 4-6. And, I mean, anything can happen coming down the stretch. So the Bengals are definitely a team to watch out for. You know, because, like, you look at that last playoff spot in the AFC, nobody's running away with it. So I look at Cincy, and I'm definitely not going to write this team off as far as getting a postseason spot. Now you look ahead to week number 12 for both of these clubs. Denver will be on the road next Sunday afternoon to face the Oakland Raiders, while Cincinnati will find themselves in week number 12 at home to take on the Cincinnati, pardon me, the Cleveland Browns. As always, folks, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, moving right along, you had the 5-4 and four Detroit Lions in the Windy City to take on the 3-6 and six Chicago Bears. And the Bears, they've been playing tough, and they've been playing much better than their record. And that showed up early as the Bears jumped out in front of the Lions. It was 3 nothing in favor of Chicago late in the first quarter when rookie quarterback Mitchell Trubisky connected with Adam Sheehan on – or pardon me, Adam Shaheen, rather, on a one-yard touchdown pass to give the Bears – the 10 to 6 advantage. However, the Bears giveth and they also taketh away. And a fumble was returned by DJ Hayden for the Lions early in the second quarter to make it 10 to 7, and that gave the Lions some life. Now, the Bears were able to immediately respond by putting together an eight play 78 yard drive, which ate up five and a half minutes of game clock, and it was capped off by a 12-yard touchdown run from Jordan Howard to make it 17-7. to But at that point, the Lions started to get a rhythm for themselves. They got the football back. They went down the field on a seven-play, 86-yard drive. And then it was capped off when quarterback Matthew Stafford found wide receiver Marvin Jones on a 28-yard hookup to make it 17-14. to And the momentum for this contest changed just before the first half ended. As of just 20 seconds left, Stafford connected with running back Amir Abdullah on a two-yard touchdown pass to make it 21-17 to in favor of the Lions heading into the dressing room at the half. And this is big because the Bears really dominated the first half, and when the first half was over, they still found themselves trailing in the score. Now, it was 24-17 to in favor of the uh, Lions late in the fourth quarter. Chicago was able to tie this game up on a 15-yard touchdown run from Tariq Cohen at 24 apiece. However, Stafford would rally the Lions and get them into scoring range. And with about a minute and a half left, Matt Prater connected on a 52-yard field goal to make it 27 to 54. 2024, pardon me, rather. Now, Mitchell Trubisky would rally the Bears and put them in scoring range. But as time ran out, 
in regulation. Connor Barth missed a 46-yard field goal wide right, and Detroit was able to hold on this afternoon at Soldier Field and escape with the 27-24 victory. Now, looking inside of the numbers, Matthew Stafford was 21 of 31 passing today for 299 yards with two TDs and no picks, while Mitchell Trubisky was 18 of 30 passing for a buck 79 with a TD and no picks. Jordan Howard had a huge day for the Bears as he had 125 yards on the ground on just 15 carries with a touchdown. And as a team, Chicago was able to gain 222 yards on the ground, but it simply just wasn't enough as they fell this afternoon to the Bears in a heartbreaker. And like I said, when I gave up my picks last week on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com, that the Lions are going to be in for a dogfight today because you look at this Bears team, and like I said, they're 3-7, and seven, but they are playing much better than their record. And I give Chicago a year. They're going to get more seasoning because this is a young team. They're going to get more seasoning, and they are going to be very, very tough. If you look at John Fox's track record throughout his coaching career, it was at Carolina and also with Denver. You give this guy a couple of years, he gets a team and an organization turned around, and I think the Bears are right on the cusp of that. Now, for the Lions, again, it wasn't pretty, but – Pretty doesn't matter in the NFL. As long as you can keep get your hand raised, move on to your next game, and try to build some momentum off of that, and that's what Detroit was able to do. Now, for the Lions, of course, they're going to have their annual Thanksgiving game at home on Thursday afternoon this week when they host the Minnesota Vikings. And for Chicago, they will find themselves on the road next Sunday afternoon to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, a big rival for both the Bears and the Lions and the NFC North is the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers came into play today with a record of 5-4 and four as they were hosting the 4-5 and five Baltimore Ravens. And defense was the name of the game at Lambeau Field this afternoon, but it was more the defense of the Baltimore Ravens as they forced turnover after turnover after turnover from Packers quarterback Brett Hundley, namely three interceptions from him, and they also sacked him six times, with two of those coming from veteran outside linebacker Terrell Suggs, as the Ravens were able to go on the road and get the dominating 23 to nothing victory. And for Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco, he was 22 of 28 passing today for a buck 83 with a TD and a pick while he was sacked three times. And you look at Brett Hundley, he had a very tough day. He was 21 or 36 passing for 239 yards for no touchdowns and three picks while I talked about the six sacks. Devontae Adams did have a big game for the Packers as he had eight grabs for 126 yards, but he could not get to the end zone, and this Packers team could not get to the end zone as they were shut out and simply dominated today by the Ravens at home. And for Green Bay, you look at this team, they, they've obviously fallen, fallen apart without Aaron Rodgers, and that was to be expected. But, I mean, going forward, anybody who wants to doubt the worth of Aaron Rodgers, just look at this offense since he hasn't been there. Putrid at best is, is, is like, the, the best way to sum it up for them. And for the, for the Ravens, they came off of their bye, and you look at this team, 
they're not good on offense. They're playing solid defense, and they're very good on special teams. That's what's keeping them in the games, and that's what that's what's keeping them afloat in the playoff race because it has not been pretty for the Ravens, and they're five and five, and anything can happen coming down the stretch. They're not going to catch Pittsburgh for the top spot in this division, obviously, but they can still be an effective team coming down the stretch and possibly squeeze in to the playoff picture with that final wild card spot. Now, you look ahead to week number 12 for both of these clubs. Green Bay will be on the road on Sunday Night Football to face the Pittsburgh Steelers, while for Baltimore, they will find themselves in week number 12. The Ravens will be see Baltimore is here. They will be at home on Monday Night Football to take on the Houston Texans. So folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, moving right along, you had the 6-3 and three Jacksonville Jaguars who were looking to avoid a misstep by taking on the 0-9 Cleveland Browns. And Jacksonville got the scoring going today at Snowy Cleveland midway through the first quarter when quarterback Blake Bortles found veteran tight end Mercedes Lewis from 10 yards out to give Jacksonville the early, excuse me, 7 to nothing advantage. Now, it was 10 to nothing in favor of Jacksonville early in the second quarter when Cleveland was able to mount a drive when rookie quarterback Deshaun Kaiser connected with running back Duke Johnson Jr. on a 27-yard touchdown pass to make it 10-7. Excuse me. It was 13-7 late in this contest in favor of Jacksonville when their defense stepped up and sealed the deal. They forced a fumble from Kaiser, which was recovered in the end zone by linebacker Tevin Smith as uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to win this contest today by the score of 19-7. to And it was all about Jacksonville's defense today as they limited Cleveland to just 184 yards of total offense. The Browns only possessed the ball today for a little bit over 23 minutes. And on top of that, Jacksonville forced five Cleveland turnovers. It wasn't pretty from Blake Bortles, but the bottom line is as long as Blake Bortles doesn't lose the game for Jacksonville, they're okay. He was 17 of 30 passing for 154 yards with a TD. Most importantly, no interceptions. The Jaguars did their damage on offense with their running attack as Leonard Fournette had 111 yards on 28 carries, and as a team, Jacksonville was able to rush for 139 yards. Now, Deshaun Kaiser was 16 of 32 passing for 179 yards, and he was sacked five times by this Jaguars defense, and that was the difference in this contest today. You, you, there was a muff punt by Cleveland. There were two picks thrown uh, by Deshaun Kaiser. There were several fumbles. I mean, it's a situation. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser had one of the fumbles himself, or pardon me, two rather, and it's 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 a situation – First and foremost, Deshaun Kaiser should not be the quarterback of this team. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There's too much youth on this club. 
they were coming into the season, there were only three players on the Browns roster that were um, 30 years of age or more. There were only three guys on this team that had playoff experience. So if you're the youngsters on the squad, like most of this team is, who's there to teach you what it takes to win and be successful in the National Football League? The answer is nobody. So you're seeing those results right now in the playoff, I mean, on, on the football field, as they're just simply not winning games. And for Jacksonville, it was not pretty offensively, but I'm going to give this team a ton of credit because for a young team like Jacksonville, who's trying to focus and get to the playoffs, when you have games like this that you're expected to win, it's very easy for you to go out there and lay down. We saw it today with the veteran club from Kansas City. Jacksonville was expected to go out there. They went on the road. They handled their business. And because of that, they're 7-3, and three, and now they're still sitting in first place. Now they're all alone in first place in the AFC South because, remember, Tennessee lost on Thursday night to Pittsburgh. So if you're Jacksonville, you really have to feel good about yourselves as you head back home coming down the stretch for the regular season. Now you look ahead to week number 12 for both of these clubs. Jacksonville will be on the road to face the Arizona Cardinals, while Cleveland will be on the road to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, moving right along, you had the 3-6 and six Tampa Bay Buccaneers in South Florida to take on the 4-5 Miami Dolphins. Of course, this contest was scheduled to take place in week number one, but it was rescheduled due to the aftermath of Hurricane Irma. Now, late in the first quarter, it was 3 to nothing in favor of Tampa Bay when Miami scored the first touchdown in the contest as they put together a seven-play, 90-yard drive, which is capped off when quarterback Jay Cutler connected with wide receiver Jarvis Landry on a two-yard pass <clears throat> Excuse me, to give Miami the 7-3 to advantage. Now, it was 7-6 to in favor of Miami early in the second quarter when Bucks quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick found rookie tight end O.J. Howard from six yards out to give Tampa Bay the 13-7 advantage. Now, the score remained that way until late in the first half when Fitzpatrick found wide receiver Deshaun Jackson from four yards out to give Tampa Bay the 20-7 lead at the half. Now, Miami would rally as quarterback Jay Cutler was taken out of this game with an injury, and they relied on quarterback Matt Moore. And late in this contest, with the Dolphins trailing by a touchdown, Moore connected with wide receiver Kenny Stills on a 61-yard touchdown pass to knock the score at 20 apiece. However, the Bucks got the football back, and this Dolphins defense simply could not step up and make the key plays to stop this offense and Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick led the Bucks into scoring position, and with just four seconds left in this contest, Patrick Murray would connect on his third field goal of the game to put Tampa Bay back in front by the score of 23-20, to 20, and a fumble on the ensuing kickoff led to a touchdown for the Bucks. as Tampa Bay would go on to win this contest today by the score of 30-20. Now you look inside at the numbers, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was 22 of 37 passing for 275 yards with two TDs and no picks, while Matt Moore really stepped up after, you know, a sloppy outing from, from Jay Cutler, who threw three interceptions in the first half. Matt Moore was 17 of 28 passing for 282 yards with one touchdown and no interceptions while he was sacked one time. And, of course, Kenny Stills had a big game as he had seven catches for a buck 80 with a TD, while Jarvis Landry 
had six grabs for 95 yards, but it simply just was not enough as Miami would go on to lose this contest at home today. And I'll tell you like this for the Dolphins. Your season's over because there's no semblance of order on offense. Matt Moore needs to be your your starting quarterback for the rest of the way. Jay Cutler, it's tough. I'm I'm, going to, like, you know, sum up Jay Cutler like this. It's tough when a guy has his foot out the door because Jay Cutler had all but retired and was ready to take a network job, and the Dolphins came calling and offered him $10 million, and he came back for the paycheck. It's just not there for him anymore. You, you, You don't see it. It's like a deer in headlights. And anytime you have a situation like that, it is a recipe for disaster. And if I'm Adam Gase, the Dolphins head coach, I make the move. This team played better in the second half with Matt Moore as a quarterback. There have been people that have been clamoring to see Matt Moore as a Dolphins starting quarterback for weeks. So going forward, Matt Moore has to be the guy. Now, for Tampa Bay, you're just going to take the wins any way you can get them. No Jameis Winston at quarterback right now, but, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's out there. He's playing hard, possibly for another contract with another team in 2018. So he's going to go out there and do what it takes to rally this team. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Bucks can play spoiler versus some of the contenders in the NFC South coming down the stretch of the regular season. Now you look ahead to week number 12, and speaking of playing spoiler, Tampa Bay will be on the road next Sunday afternoon to face the Atlanta Falcons, while for Miami, they will be on the road to face the New England Patriots. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And finally, you had the 3-6 and six Arizona Cardinals, pardon me, the 4-5 and five Arizona Cardinals, taking on the 3-6 and six Houston Texans in a battle of the backup quarterbacks. As it was Blaine Gabbert for Arizona and touchdown Tom Savage for the Houston Texans. And it was touchdown Tom Savage that got the first score of the game as early on in the second quarter, Savage connected with running back Lamar Miller on a seven-yard touchdown pass, and this capped off a 12-play, 89-yard drive, which ate up nearly seven minutes' worth of game clock as Houston was able to go ahead 7 to nothing. However, midway through the second quarter as a result of a Texans turnover, this Arizona offense was able to capitalize when Gabbard found wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald on a 20-yard touchdown pass and not the score at 7 apiece. Now, another Texans turnover would put Arizona in business as just before the first half ended, Gabbard connected with rookie wide receiver Ricky Seals-Jones from 11 yards out to make it 14-7 to in favor of the Birds. Now it was 14-10 to at the half. Houston would get the ball to begin the second half, and Savage would find all-pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins on a 28-yard touchdown pass as the Texans made the most of getting the first-half kickoff as they regained the lead at 17-14. to However, Arizona would respond later in the third quarter when Gabbard through his third touchdown pass of the game and second to Ricky Seals-Jones to put 
Arizona back in front by the score of 21 to 17. However, early in the fourth quarter, the Texans would take the lead for good as rookie Deontay Foreman scored on a three-yard touchdown plunge to make it 24 to 21 as this capped off a 12-play 75-yard drive which ate up about six and a half minutes worth of game clock. And then with just over six minutes left in this contest, Foreman scored again, this time from 34 yards out to make it 31 to 21. And the Texans defense would go on to keep that score true as Houston would win this contest today by the score of 31 to 21. And you look inside of the numbers, Blaine Gabbert was 22 of 34 passing for 257 yards today with three TDs and two picks while he was sacked twice, while Tom Savage was 22 of 32 passing for 230 yards or two TDs and a pick. DeAndre Hopkins had four grabs for 76 yards with a touchdown, while Larry Fitzgerald, the ageless wonder, had nine grabs for 91 yards and a TD. Uh, You look at Buda Baker, the rookie on defense, for Arizona, he had a big game, 13 tackles, one sack. Dion Buchanan had 13 tackles of his own, but it was all for naught as Arizona could not get the victory on the road this afternoon. And you look at both of these clubs, they're simply just trying to hold on with backup quarterbacks. Both teams are dealing with a litany of injuries, and they're just trying to get to the finish line and build some momentum for themselves heading into next season. Now you look for Houston. They will be on the road on Monday night to take on the Baltimore Ravens while Jacksonville, pardon me, while Arizona will be at home to host the Jacksonville Jaguars next Sunday. Now, you look at the divisional races in the NFL right now, and once again, the Patriots are going to win the AFC East. You didn't need to be a rocket scientist to figure it out. They've won their last six, and, you know, while Buffalo has lost their last three, and Buffalo still hasn't played New England twice this season. So that's done. You look at the Jets. The Jets are 4-6. and six, Miami's 4-6. and six. Nobody's catching that to me. Same thing can be said for Pittsburgh and the AFC North. They're 8-2. and two. The next closest team is Baltimore with a record of 5-5. Five and five. Cincinnati's 4-6, and six, but they put themselves in a bad hole to start the season. And Pittsburgh's already beaten everybody in the division at least once. Of course, Cleveland is Cleveland, and they're simply just there to fill out the schedule, so you really can't expect anything from them. I still think it's going to be a two-team race in the AFC South between Jacksonville and Tennessee. I think it's going to come down to the quarterback play. Tennessee is down a game right now to Jacksonville, but I'm not writing them off because I'm still not sold on Blake Bortles at quarterback for the Jags. You look at the AFC West. This is a division Kansas City's trying to give away, and I'll tell you like this. There are two games up on the Chargers, and I know that they beat the Chargers earlier this season, but right now the Chargers are playing the better football. And although that the Raiders are 4-6, and six, anything can happen coming down the stretch. Don't let them figure it out. That's all i got to say. The first team that eight wins this division, KC is 6-4. and four. At one point they were 5-0, and oh, but – I'm not sold on them winning this division right now, at least with the way that they're playing. The Eagles can all but wrap up the NFC East tonight with a win against the Dallas Cowboys. However, it's not coming easy because the Eagles find themselves trailing at the half, 9-7 to to Dallas, but they are still clearly the team to beat in this division. 
You look at the NFC North and the Vikings continue to win, and they have a two-game cushion on the Detroit Lions right now. And at some point, I think the Vikings will slow down, but I'm not sure if the Lions have enough in their arsenal to overtake them. I look at this NFC South. You have New Orleans at 8-3. and three. Carolina was off today, and they're 7-3. and three. And Atlanta needs to win tomorrow night on the road in Seattle try to keep pace with both of these clubs because if Atlanta loses this game and the way that the wild card picture is looking in the NFC, they could be out of the playoffs come January. Now, the Rams lost today, but it's going to be interesting to see if Seattle can take advantage of that because you look at the Seahawks, there's no Richard Sherman for the rest of the season, no Cam Chancellor for the rest of the season, and that secondary. Those are two huge pieces there. So I know that Seattle has already defeated the Rams this season, but those are two tough losses to overcome in that secondary. Now you look at the playoff picture as a whole, both Pittsburgh and New England are 8-2, and two, and that matchup next month in Pittsburgh is looming huge in order to get home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. Don't look now, but if the AFC playoffs began today, it would be Jacksonville who would have the three seed. You have Kansas City was a four seed, as virtue of uh, being the first-place team in the AFC West. And your two wild-card teams right now are Tennessee and Baltimore. Tennessee is 6-4, and four, while Baltimore is 5-5. Five and five. And they get the tiebreaker over the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, in head-to-head action. But then you also look at the fact that, you know, Buffalo is fading. And then you have a, you have a whole bunch of clubs there at 4-6. and six. You have Miami, the Jets, Cincinnati, Houston, the Chargers, and Oakland. All of these teams are four and six, and all of them are one game behind Buffalo. And I'm looking at the teams who can emerge from that pack. I look at Oakland, I look at the Chargers, and I look at Cincinnati. Because I look at the Chargers, they're playing some solid ball after that slow start. And they've got a lot of momentum going for themselves, and they're playing D. And you never want to count out Phillip Rivers at quarterback. You look at the Raiders, at some point their offense has to wake up. So I'm really not ready to write them off either. And I look at Cincinnati, they are playing some lights out defense lately themselves. So I'm definitely uh, not going to write them off in the competition. Now, NFC side, Philly is number one right now. However, things could change if they lose this contest and they would be tied with both the Minnesota Vikings and New Orleans Saints. Both Minnesota and New Orleans are 8-2. and two. And, of course, you know, Minnesota beat New Orleans back in week number one, so they get the tiebreaker over them. Now, uh, Los Angeles took a step back today as they lost. They're 7-3 and three now, but they're, but they're the fourth. They would be the fourth seed. You look at your wild cards. You have Carolina and Seattle. Big win, big game for Seattle tomorrow night because they want to stay a game ahead of the Lions because the Lions are 6-4 and four right now. Big game for the Falcons because they're right behind the Lions and they want to tie Detroit because they get the tiebreaker over the Lions based on their meeting a few weeks ago. But then you have Dallas right there who's looking to hang in the mix and go to 6-4 and four with a win tonight. Green Bay is 5-5, five and five, but I'm not sold on Green Bay, obviously, without Aaron Rodgers. Now, the four and six clubs, you have Washington, you have Arizona, and you have Tampa Bay. I don't think any of those teams can make a push. I'm not sold on Dallas making a push without Ezekiel Elliott. So, theoretically, it's an eight-team race for six spots. And still, Atlanta could be the odd team out, 
I think Seattle's going to take a step back because there are too many injuries that they are dealing with right now in their secondary. So it's just a matter of who's going to get that last wild card spot in the NFC. They got a big weekend on tap for week number 12, and it begins with a triple header on Thanksgiving Day. It's going to start with Minnesota and Detroit getting it on at Ford Field. And this is a big-time matchup here because if the Vikings win this game, they're basically on cruise control to win the NFC North with just five games left. But I think the Lions are definitely going to put up a game fight at home. It's going to be the Chargers and the Cowboys next Sunday afternoon from Texas Stadium, or pardon me, AT&T Stadium, rather. And for the boys, they're up and down right now. They want to try to get this victory tonight versus the Philadelphia Eagles. But this Chargers team is definitely not going to lie down for them. It's going to be the Giants and the Redskins on Thursday night. And for Washington, you had a tough loss today. And you want to go out there and get a victory against the Giants. But the Giants, who have nothing to play for, could be a dangerous team coming down the stretch to some playoff contenders here in the season. Now, moving ahead to Sunday, it's going to be the Buccaneers traveling to take on the Falcons. And Tampa has some momentum for themselves. You just have to wonder, will they be able to take advantage of an Atlanta team that might have some jet lag because they're playing on Monday night football tomorrow night. They're on the road versus the Seattle Seahawks, and that's a long trip back from the Pacific Northwest to the Southeast. It's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Cleveland Browns. And for the Cleveland Browns, they have a real good shot of going 0-16. As the weeks go, I, I have not seen any improvement from this club whatsoever, and that is a bad omen for them. You're going to have the Tennessee Titans on the road taking on the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts had their bye week here in week number 11. And for Tennessee, you want to put that tough loss to Pittsburgh behind you and get back on track as you want to make your postseason push. Next Sunday afternoon, somebody's got to win as the 5-5 five and five Buffalo Bills will take on the 6-4 and four Kansas City Chiefs. A few weeks ago, both of these teams are flying high. Buffalo began the season 5-2 and two and Kansas City began the season 5-0. and oh. Now KC six four six and four while Buffalo is five and five, but like I said, that back and forth of the quarterback position could really hurt the Buffalo Bills. You're going to have the New England Patriots hosting the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins look better with Matt Moore at quarterback, but I'll tell you like that right right now. The Patriots are simply rolling right now, and they are ready to put the bowl on another AFC East championship. It's going to be the Carolina Panthers traveling to take on the New York Jets. Both of these teams had their bye weeks today. And for Carolina, I want to see how they come out against the Jets team. But you know the Jets, they're always going to play tough under head coach Todd Bowles. So that should be an interesting contest. You're going to have the Bears taking on the Eagles. And, you know, we still got to see how this game works out for the Eagles tonight. But I'll tell you like this, Chicago is definitely going to be a tough out for them because John Fox-led clubs never give up. Now, depending on how things go for Seattle tomorrow night, this could be a very interesting game for them on Sunday when they travel to take on the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are coming off of their bye, and they're also coming off of their first win of the season as they were able to defeat the New York Giants. So for Seattle, you might have to pack a lunch to get a victory in this one. Now, it's going to be the Oakland Raiders hosting the Denver Broncos next Sunday afternoon. And for the loser, they're all but eliminated from the playoff race. But for the winner... They could be sitting pretty in the AFC West picture. 
Now, this one could be a potential playoff preview in the NFC as you're going to have the New Orleans Saints traveling to take on the Rams. And we all knew that the Rams' schedule would get tougher, and that point is now because they already failed one test today and they lost to the Minnesota Vikings. How will they respond versus New Orleans Saints, a team that has won eight in a row, and they have a ton of confidence right now? It's going to be the 7-3 and three Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to take on the 4-6 and six Arizona Cardinals. And I look at this Jags defense, they're flying around the football, and they could make life tough for Cardinals starting quarterback Blaine Gabbard. Next Sunday night, it will be the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Green Bay Packers. And this is a game that Pittsburgh will more than likely be heavily favored in. And I'll tell you like this. That could be scary because we've seen in the past and recent years where Pittsburgh tends to play down to their opponents. And finally, on Monday Night Football, you're going to have the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Houston Texans. And this Ravens defense, when they're on, they're on. And if they're on on Monday Night Football, this could be a long night for Tom Savage and the Texans offense. So, folks, that is going to wrap it up tonight. And as always, I want to take this time out to thank you for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. Now, I will be back on the air at the same time, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, next Sunday evening to recap the action from week number 12 in the NFL season. Now, if you're on Twitter, please feel free to follow me at 300 Pounds of Sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it will be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, there is the Facebook page at 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge. You can check it out, and you are more than welcome to like it as well. Also, you can check out the new page. Uh, it's a group discussion. It's called the Sports Depot 365. It's on Facebook as well. Check it out and be a part of the chat on there as well. As always, you can continue to check me out on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com where I fancy myself as a total sports package for the total fan. And today I was talking about the potential trade of Miami Marlins outfielder, John Carlo Stanton. As always, big time shout out to 150 pounds of sports knowledge. She knows who she is, and without her, none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible. And as always, much love to my wonderful daughter, Penelope. It's a pleasure to see her grow and grow and grow on a daily basis, and I know that she is going to do some great things in this world of ours. So once again, fine folks, my name is William Martin. Take care, have yourselves a wonderful night, and thanks once again for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.